When the integrity of our body is compromised, it is medicine we turn to. As a dynamic, ever-expanding field, there is so much that it is developing in a bid to advance our capabilities. Despite this nature of constant improvement being at its heart, there are mainstays that truly enrich medicine. Each week, we'll take a look at the constants that make it magnificent, while taking a look at what lies ahead. Hi, I'm Thaylin Williams, a Year 12 student studying in Worcester. Hi, I'm Swapna Nilday, a Year 12 student studying in Berkshire. Welcome to, Welcome Medical, to Musings. Medical Musings. Our first set of podcasts follows an order that every single one of us uses today, today our alphabet. To kick things off, we'll be starting with A and cover the alleviating nature of anaesthesia. What is anaesthesia? It is defined as a controlled temporary loss of sensation for medical purposes. The keywords there are controlled and temporary, as there are many substances present in our world that can cause a loss of sensation, but a lot fewer whose potency can be kept in check. We'll cover the types of anaesthesia, but there are three key definitions that we'll keep referring to. General anaesthesia the suppression of the central nervous system, causing total loss of consciousness and sensation. Sedation, suppressing feelings of anxiety while keeping the patient conscious. And local anaesthesia, which causes a local lack of sensation. To appreciate the absolutely massive impact of anaesthesia in medicine, it is apt to take a look at a world without it. In the climate of the 19th century, when anaesthesia was discovered, it was a time where long-assumed tenets of science were truly thrown out the window. Darwin's theory of evolution truly rocked religious foundations of Victorian society. Thomas Young's double-slit experiment went against Newton's corpuscular theory of light, and in medicine itself, the idea of vitalism was unanimously disproved by a series of experiments by Pasteur and Wöhler. Despite these massive advances in science, the health of society left a lot to be desired. Most relevantly to today's podcast was the searing pain that patients felt during surgery. Even the simplest surgeries today are a test of technical skill, dexterity, and will always carry some sort of risk. Due to the advances in understanding of anatomy, doctors understood that the way to deal with the problem was at its very root, and this meant simply cutting out the lesion. However, the sharp, menacing tools are enough to incite fear and inflict horrifying pain in even the bravest of patients. The treatments at the time to ensure that the patient was comfortable were mostly primitive, with opium, opium being the go-to measure well into the 1800s. Although opium was, and still remains of use in medicine today via its derivatives, it was clear that stronger stuff was needed. Before we go on to the use of targeted anaesthesia for particular procedures, it is worth noting that the ideas of anaesthesia have persisted since 3400 BCE and were applied to many patients before more modern controlled ideas came about. One you will all be familiar with, for better or for worse, is alcohol. Alcohol is a sedative, so it suppresses thoughts of anxiety, meaning that our inhibitions vanish, and this may have been useful to ensure that patients were powerless to stop their doctors. It probably did very little to stop the aching pain, though. Fast forward to 1799, and one of the great chemists in history, Humphrey Davy, began experimenting with nitrous oxide. He reported laughter as a result and suggested it as a possible anaesthetic. In those days, however, a discovery was only really thrust into the public image by literally performing the experiment in public. The men to do this with nitrous oxide were Horace Wells and Thomas Morton in Massachusetts General Hospital in front of a group of medical students in 1845. Unfortunately, the experiment was nothing short of a disaster. 
the pain in pulling the tooth was not dulled at all. The improper administration meant that the patient was in intense pain. A cool irony if ever there was one. However, a successful demonstration was not far away, and just a year later, in Boston, Thomas Green Morton demonstrated the painless effects, not of nitrous oxide, but rather of diethyl ether. A man who had a vascular tumour, which is a tumour of the blood vessels, was subject to this, and Morton was able to successfully remove the tumour painlessly from his neck. Morton tried to keep this under wraps, perhaps to make a fortune, but attempts were fruitless. As soon as surgeons heard about the success of this newly labelled anaesthesia, they were eager to get to work with it and operate without inflicting unnecessary pain. A true medical milestone. The chemists among you may be aware or shocked that we're even thinking about using diethyl ether. Its vapour is more dense than air, so ether fumes tend to sink in the atmosphere. The combination of ether's high volatility, flammability and vapour density can easily result in a fire. Moreover, there were unwanted side effects, such as excessive vomiting, which meant that a more patient-friendly alternative was needed. This turned out to be chloroform. It was discovered independently three times, and one of those was by Justin von Liebig, the very man who gives his name to lab condensers. After initial testing on lab animals in 1842, the first medical application came in 1847, when James Simpson used chloroform to ease the pain of childbirth. This was an overwhelming success and even gained royal clout as Queen Victoria was administered it during the birth of her son Leopold. But like other drugs, it had its failures. And one failure that was brought very sharply into focus was the lack of trained anaesthetists, who gave chloroform inappropriately and inadvertently caused fatalities. As a drug with the potential to cause fatality, it is crucial that trained personnel handle it. I think it's pretty fair to say that this has indeed been the case. Today, anaesthetists are an absolutely indispensable tool and are the largest hospital-based specialists. These historical breakthroughs are undoubtedly key stepping stones. But how has it translated into medical practice today? While it would be nice for a perfect discovery to be made and that never to be changed, in practice, only nitrous oxide is used wisely out of the three today for clinical care, and newer general anaesthetics have been developed. Despite their lack of use today, the importance of this discovery can't be underestimated. Surgeons would no longer have to skirt around operations. The fact that the pain aspect has been dealt with allowed surgeons to tackle complex problems with renewed vigour and the massive leaps made in surgical procedures in the 19th century century can be attributed to anaesthetic. As you mentioned before, anaesthesia can be subdivided into three categories. Sedatives, local and general anaesthetics. To illustrate their mechanisms, we'll take a look at one example of each and explore the chemistry behind their mechanisms of action. Since sedatives relax the anxiety of patients, they're effective for use in non-surgical procedures, as well as in mechanically ventilated patients, something doctors can attest to more than ever now uh, due to COVID-19. The example that we'll cover of a sedative is propofol. Best known for playing a role in the death of Michael Jackson due to a lethal overdose, its short-acting properties mean that it is incredibly useful for procedures. In the most technical of terms, to explain how it works, the action of propofol involves a positive modulation of the inhibitory function of the neurotransmitter gamma-aminobutyric acid through GABA-A receptors. But what does that actually mean? GABA is one of the principal inhibitory neurotransmitters in our body. This means it reduces the activity of neurons by hyperpolarizing the cell, either by promoting positive charge out or by letting chloride ions come in, meaning that the net effect of this 
is to increase the negative charge of the cell. Propofol increases its release by uh, binding to proteins that activate its release. They bind to an allosteric site, which is away from the active site, so as not to impede the activity of GABA. Local anaesthetics can be identified easily by their name. They have the suffix cane. The most famous, and in fact most powerful of these, is cocaine, which has become a massive symbol of gang culture and crime in modern society. Just over 100 years ago, it was heavily advocated by leading doctors such as Sigmund Freud and William Halstead. But its cardiovascular toxicity and horrific effects on nasal membranes mean that it is shied away from now, despite its efficacy as a local anaesthetic. Local anaesthetics have a plethora of action mechanisms. One of the most common ones is action on sodium ion channels. Similar to sedatives, hyperpolarizing the cell, local anaesthetics prevent the cell from being depolarized. This means that an action potential, in other words, an electrical impulse, can't be generated. The local action is ensured by just inhibiting the nerve conductances that transmit the feeling of pain from the point of administration to the brain. This ensures the anesthesia is not fully spread. And what about general anesthesia? In all honesty, propofol, which we earlier classified as a sedative, can also be used to induce and maintain that state of general anesthesia. However, there is another method in which anesthesia can be induced. These are inhalational general anaesthetics, as opposed to propofol, which is administered intravenously, meaning it's injected. The mechanism of action is unfortunately not well understood, but it is believed to work much the same way as uh, propofol, by being a positive allosteric uh, modulator of the GABA-A receptor. I hope we've managed to emphasise the importance of anaesthesia in medicine today, and also provide a brief insight into how it achieves what it does. But what lies ahead for the field? With regards to changes in the drugs themselves, there is always a desire to improve the safety of drugs and minimise the side effects. However, the economics of this has to be kept in mind. Drug development costs billions of dollars and the strict regulations of the FDA ensure that a very, very small minority of these drugs ever make the market. Even after these drugs do get the all clear to be sold, they are monitored by the FDA to ensure that there are no disastrous side effects, in which case, the drug sales are stopped. This means that, although there have been attempts to improve drugs, this is, quite reasonably, capped by the financial caution of pharmaceutical companies. These include changes to propofol. As it is an intravenous anaesthetic, the insertion of the drug can cause pain to a lot of patients. The anaesthetic injection consists of emulsion of fats in addition to propofol. Another modification of propofol is to increase the proportion of medium-chain triglycerides, MCTs, in the emulsion. MCTs are more polar than long-chain triglycerides, LCTs, and are more rapidly metabolized. Propofol Lipuro is a mixed MCT-LCT propofol formulation that has an oil phase that allows a larger proportion of propofol to be dissolved in it and thereby reduces pain. The other change that is likely to be made in, uh, in the future is the role of anaesthetists. As, med- as medicine looks to enter a more technologically advanced age, it is looking likely that the role of anaesthetists will change into that of a leadership role. Whereas now anaesthetists are crucial in the physical delivery of the drugs, it is likely that this drug delivery will become more automated. In fact, anesthesia has been delivered free of human involvement, with only the parameters being set beforehand by humans. While this may lead to predictions and fears of technology taking over the role of anaesthetists or even doctors in general, it is important to remember that trust that comes with the 
profession can only be achieved by conversation, not by a computer. Don't forget to join us next week for our next episode, where we cover the brilliant letter B.